Leadership doesn't come with a title. Leadership comes with an impact you have on other people. And he was having this impact on everybody who he was serving and just that few moments making people feel a lot lighter than they felt before they had gone into that supermarket. Hello, my name is Darren Fox, and I'm your Fast Leader host. And this episode of the Fast Leader podcast is about how to build your leadership brand. In our Fast Lead leadership program, we always start off by discussing the whys and hows of becoming the leader you want to be. Participants define in detail what they believe good leadership means to them personally, and then start putting a plan in place to become that leader. Today, we're going to be discussing why your leadership brand is so important and the hows of building and maintaining one. I'm particularly excited about this discussion because of the two perspectives our two guests are going to bring today. Today, we've got Greg Holland King, and he's a principal consultant at GHA Consulting and associate at the Melbourne Business School. He's going to be able to share his knowledge and experience of coaching a small army of leaders. And we also have Grant Heinrich, and he's the marketing director at HFL Consulting. And he's going to be able to uh, approach this idea of personal leadership brand from the perspective of marketing. So Grant and Greg, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I've worked with Grant and I've shared with him a few times, to be honest, that I just don't get marketing or brand. So I'm hoping that you both might be able to convince me. So Greg, what do we mean by leadership brand and really why should I care? Well, for me, leadership or being a leader, it's not just at work. It's in all aspects of your life whether it be in your community, whether it be family or friends, you're a leader in all aspects of your life. And this idea of leadership brand, for me, it's, it's who you really are. What do you stand for? It's almost the essence of who you are as a person. How do you want others to actually see you, think about you? So it's that brand of me today with everything I do in every form of leadership that I'm involved in. Thanks, Greg. But if I just really focus on being a good leader, do I really need to be conscious of my brand? Isn't the effort redundant? Grant, uh, I'm actually curious what you might think from your marketing lens. I think people get very hung up on this word brand. There's a couple of different ways that you can look at brand. And the key thing I think we're looking at with leadership is do the things that are important, make a statement about the things that are important, and don't do things that are unimportant. You know, your brand is basically all of the actions you have taken and all the decisions you've made about what you're not going to do. So from a marketing perspective, brand is extremely useful for deciding what companies don't do. It's extremely useful for getting onto the short list of things. So if you're looking for someone who's dynamic or active or whatever, and you're presenting yourself as that, then that's the short list you're going to end up on. But it's, it's very easy to get hung up on this word brand when really what you're talking about is making sure your presentation of yourself is consistent and authentic and not cheesy or disingenuous or a little bit insincere. Okay. Thanks. I wouldn't mind throwing another question at Greg. I could maintain my leadership brand within my niche market, for lack of a better term, which would be my team and my immediate organization. But I'm wondering, with the leaders that you coach, Greg, do you talk about from a career perspective, 
how they may better leverage their brand to further their career in terms of progressing in, in other organizations? Okay, so I think to me, it's about really around are you being true to yourself and you're acting with authenticity? Perhaps even in difficult times, that can be difficult to be true to yourself. But it's about that acting with integrity. It's about acting with respect. Okay? And realising that along the way through your career path, there may be organisations, the job may be good, the organisation may be good, but it may be different to what your brand and the way you see yourself, different to your values. And look, I can talk personally where I actually joined an organisation which had a very good reputation. In hindsight, I should never have joined that organisation. Its set of values was totally different to mine. And it caused chaos, not only for me, but for the organisation in the role that, that I was in. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think for leaders moving forward, thinking about their future careers, it's really important them to stick to their core values, what they stand for. Great. No, I totally agree. Moving on, I think this morning I looked up leadership on Amazon and it had over 50,000 books on leadership and then 72 books on leadership brand. So I'm, I'm hoping you both could save our listeners a, a bit of time in terms of reading and, and give us some of maybe your top hints and tips on how they could build and maintain their leadership brand. Grant, what do you think? What Greg said about authenticity is incredibly important. A lot of my career has been spent in the music industry working with artists. And artists are musicians, etc. They bring their whole personality to work. I think it's a lot harder to bring your whole personality to work in the corporate workplace. So if you wanted to bring it down to something that's very practical and very achievable, how are you presenting yourself that is intentionally about the person you want to be? So are you wasting people's time? Are you putting stuff on LinkedIn that is just really cheesy or trivial or idiotic or clickbaity? Are you sending mails that are incredibly waffly and don't make any sense? Are you being considerate of other people's time? I've always been fascinated by this idea of intentionality because I am not a particularly intentional person. And the people that I have seen who are very good at presenting a consistent, authentic brand are the people who are really thinking about what they're doing. They're not just reacting. They are actually thinking about what they're going to do. They're pausing for a minute, which I am terrible at, and they are then going off and doing the correct thing instead of the thing that their emotions have told them to do right that minute. Yeah. That, to me, if you're not really super sophisticated yet in your understanding of how these things are and you don't have that much personal experience yet, is just a good couple of shorthand ways of developing a good leadership brand as a younger leader. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm similar to you in that regard, Grant. There's been a few times in my career when I send off an email and then about half a day later, I realize... Mm, not really should have sent that nasty email to that individual, maybe not CC'd everybody as well. That was a mistake. But, you know, the emotions get the best of me and I don't stop and think this isn't really me. You, you, can, you never win in a corporate world by looking cranky. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Greg, what might be some of your uh, top tips for leadership brand for our listeners? Look, I think what Grant said was really important about taking that step back. I think it also comes, as we get more mature, 
you do get more, if you like, emotional intelligence through wisdom, through age, through experience. And I think taking that step back and actually being true to yourself, showing respect to others, not let the emotions overcome the situation, because we're all going to be in situations that are going to be difficult. And sometimes it's easy to give into the emotion or give into the easy way through a difficult situation. Instead of taking that step back, as I said, being true to yourself, acting with integrity, don't take the easy way out, respecting others. And for me, it's also two little tips. One is when we behave in anything we do, would we be embarrassed if it was on the front page of the paper tomorrow morning? And the second is to behave and act in a way it's sometimes you can do that in front of other people, but are you doing that when there's no one else around or you don't think that anyone else is watching, listening to what you're doing? That to me is acting with consistency, behaving with consistency. And I think it's that taking that step back, being true to yourself, acting with consistency all the time and having respect, not having to have all the answers. Yeah, I really like the idea of when you're really living true to yourself and your core values and with integrity is that there's no difference between my actions as if I know no one's going to see me or I know a lot of people are going to see me. It's going to be on the front page. There's no difference. That's a really good point. Yeah, so that brings us to the end of part one of our podcast. Part two will be right back. And I'm going to ask our guests to discuss what happens if your brand is not really connected to who you really are and how leaders might be able to maintain their brand when times get tough. And in part three, we'd like to get a personal story from each of our guests, in this case about when a leader may have had a quite a positive influence on them. How good is your virtual leadership? In a world gone virtual, every leader is asking, how do I lead effectively in a virtual environment? How do I get the most out of my team when I don't see them face-to-face? FastLead's new virtual leadership program gives short, sharp, practical advice that you can apply today to become the best virtual leader that you can be. Find out more at fastlead.com virtual leader. All these thousands of leadership books out there are telling us what a leader should look and sound like. But what happens if a leader paints a brand that that leader wants to portray, but that brand is not actually strongly connected to who they really are? And assuming that is dangerous, then how might a leader approach being the leader they want to be without going down this path of, hey, this is me, like it or leave it? So uh, with this question, I was hoping we could start off with Greg. I think this is a really, a really good question. I think as leaders, we actually need to really understand the impact we have, not only on those that are close to us, but others in an organisation and then other stakeholders that are connected with an organisation. I think we've had a few really good examples recently in Australia where leadership brand and actions have perhaps been diverse. I bring up two Royal Commissions one into the banking system that we've had, and the other into child abuse. And and without going into personalities or details, you know, there is obviously diversity between 
leaders, their what they thought was their brand or what they were portraying as their brand and the actuality of their behaviours. And for me, I think strong leaders really need to understand the impact that that has, as I said, not only on their own reputation, but the reputation of the organisation that they work for and the reputation of those people that are following that organisation. And we've also seen that, and I'll go back to Grant's point before, I mean, it's not just happens in organisations. We've seen it over the last few years with a number of celebrities whose brands have been trashed. It's difficult and takes a long time to get a good reputation. You can lose that reputation extremely easily by your behaviours being different to what your brand or like you're wanting to be. And again, once that happens, it's extremely difficult to ever get that back and get that trust as a leader back. I'm not sure if that actually answered your question directly, Darren, but those are my top ahead thoughts. Thanks for that, Greg, and thanks for bringing up potentially two public contentious issues. I'm looking forward to the Facebook posts we'll get when we launch this podcast. And then Grant, what are your thoughts on this topic? What might happen when there's a disconnect between what I propose to be my brand and it's not really the real me? And the second part of that question is, how do I avoid going down this path of, well, this is me, so love me or leave me? I'm probably going to address this two ways. I I think if you're looking at this as the issue of, I have a set of things I believe in and a set of ways I like to work and a set of sort of ethical lines I don't particularly like to cross and the organisation that I am working for doesn't align with those, you know, as Greg was talking about, my advice to anyone in that situation is get out. Okay you cannot win when you are working for a company whose ethics or way of approaching things is radically different to yours. You know, and in that case, take it or leave it is a very valid approach, I think. There's a couple of ways this aligns with traditional product marketing. Basically, one of the issues with brand is that your actions will define you as being good at a particular set of topics and being useful for a particular set of actions. And so one of the difficult things that people have is, let's say I'd like to change career radically, or I'd like to change the type of job I do radically or something like that. And in that sense, you know, you don't have the option of take it or leave it because you don't actually have the skills or reputation or experience that you need. So in that sense, and I've actually done this a couple of times, you need to be prepared to spend a lot of time asking very humble questions about how you can become that person from people who know how to do it. What I would probably say is take it or leave it is actually a valid strategy in a very specific set of circumstances and you shouldn't discount it. Mm -hmm. But in general, (laughs) you are better off with how am I going to do this and how am I going to change the way I act to become that person? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the take it or leave it, if you actually are very clear in terms of who you are and the leader that you want to be, there's probably a place for you. There's all sorts of organizations with various cultures that will probably align to your leadership style. There's a team waiting for you. Yeah. One of the big things about brand is that it tells you what you aren't. Hmm. And so if what you aren't is the organization you're in at the moment, you're in the wrong spot. Exactly. All right, the next thing I want to ask, it's quite relevant to the situation that we're all in now, is that, you know, leaders 
are going to likely face events or situations which are going to make it really difficult to keep being that leader that they want to be, you know, to maintain that brand, stay on point, stay on message. So what are some of the personal strategies a leader might use to maintain that brand presence when things get tough, not fall back into bad habits or bad ways of leading? Grant. If one of your goals is that you have a way you want to behave and you want to be authentic to that, one of the things you have to do is clue everybody into how you're thinking and what you think is going to happen. You know, if you are not communicating about why you're behaving in a particular way, then everyone will make assumptions about it and they will probably be wrong. And I think if you are a leader, people who have not had your leadership experience will almost invariably assume some kind of darker motive to things that might just be, look, I'm sorry, I haven't replied to that email because actually I'm really busy or I just missed it. So you need to communicate continually you need to ensure that you're not doing anything that is against the actions that, you know, the way that you would normally behave. But you also need to explain why you do that if you do. I would be very interested in anyone here explaining to me how disagree and commit works, which is the uh, kind of government or Amazon style way of doing things where you fundamentally disagree with how something is being done, but you commit to it and you tell your staff that this is how it's going to be. I've always struggled with that one. I'm absolutely terrible at it. It comes down to why are you doing this? Have you told your team why you're doing it? And have you told your team where you expect to go next? Mm -hmm. So essentially transparency, simply being honest with the situation. And Greg, what do you think? And do you have an answer to Grant's question about disagree and commit? I think Grant's points were very relevant, very relevant. The transparency of leadership is so important. The openness and the communication about this is what I stand for. The other part of that is, is if I start to drift, be able to get feedback from people and accept the feedback that you may be drifting. Who are your confidants that you can actually trust Hmm. when people can come and say to you, hey, Greg, you're saying X, but you're starting to deviate to Y. Who do you actually trust that you can allow to pull you up and bring you back on course? Because sometimes it's very difficult for us to do that within ourselves when we're under a lot of pressure. The emotion can come to the fore. So I think it's transparency, it's communication, but it's also allowing people to give you feedback. As far as the question, the Amazon type of question, I also personally struggle with that, although I can see some situations where it may be relevant, but they will be very far and few between for me. Mm. I think it is, I mean, if I understand Grant's point, is that quite often leaders will debate a course of action as a leadership team. And they'll debate that and they'll agree, okay, well, thanks for everyone's opinions, but as a group, we're now deciding this course of action is going to be X. And I, as a leader, debated strongly against it. And I really do think the worst thing that a a leader could do is go back to the team and say, I completely disagree with this. They are doing this to us, but we just need to get behind it. I think that really does a disservice to you as a leader. It shows you up as potentially not having the ability to protect your team, but it's also you're part of a team. And I did have the opportunity to debate and push our case forward. But as a team, this is a decision that we've made and we now need to go forward and accept that and do what we can to make this work. You know, Darren, that raises two points 
The first is, who is your primary team? Okay, this is a big debate that happens. I'm interested what you think the primary team is. Yeah, and to me, it's, it's what we call working at level. I quite often see leaders that do go back to their functional team and say, hey, this was not my decision, they're forcing it upon us. And the question there for that leader, particularly if they've come out of a leadership discussion, is who is your primary team? Are your peers that you're discussing the outcome with your primary team or is your functional team? And I think sometimes if I'm discussing something with my peers and then we make a decision and we've got to push that down through the line, you know, my primary team really is my peers. That's me working at level. I just happen to lead a functional team. And the second point is really around and what I get people to think about and work on a lot is you know, you come out of a discussion and it could be a heated discussion. You may not get the answer you want, but can you live with the outcome? Can you actually live with the outcome, even though it's not the answer you want, living with the outcome for the benefit of the organisation or the team? And I think that takes a bit of maturity. Yeah, that's right. It does. That brings us to the end of the second part. Now we're going to move into the third part. If you have a personal story you might like to share about a leader who really inspired you. Experts and technical specialists have never been more important or in demand, but that's not reflected in the leadership training they're given. Unlock the business potential of experts with Expertship, HFL's new development program for the individual contributors, technical specialists, and other experts in your organization. If innovation and business agility are important to you, learn more at expertunity.global. Welcome back. And we are in the third and final section of this Fast Leader podcast. We often like to finish the last section of these podcasts with some personal reflection or story. And so I'm hoping uh, both of you might be able to share a story about a leader who really inspired you. So what did that leader do that was different from the others? And what was the impact on you? Or alternatively, share a story about a leader who coached, who was really struggling, but then became that inspiring leader. Let's uh, start off with Greg. I was thinking about this, and I, I was going to actually tell a story about Cameron Smith, who's the captain of the Melbourne Storm. He was captain of the Queensland rugby team and, and captain of Australia. But last night... Before curfew, I live in Melbourne. Before curfew, I went into our local supermarket. And our local supermarket has an employment philosophy around diversity. And as I was in the queue checking out, I was watching the queue next to me and the checkout person there was just quickly putting things in the bag and getting people out of the supermarket as quick as possible. I was in a slower queue. And by the time I got up to the actual checkout, Nino, who was the checkout person, was meticulous in the way he was packing my bags. The hard product went in first, the soft product went in second. And what I noticed was he was talking the whole time, not only asking me how my day was, but he'd asked that to everybody who'd gone ahead of me. You know, how was my day? And people were complaining because of the lockdown and the issues in Melbourne at the moment. And he would turn to each person and say, but, you know, we, there's a bright side to this. We've actually got food to eat. 
we're actually allowed out to shop. We can exercise for an hour a day. And you could see him smiling. He was covered, but his eyes were smiling and he was genuine. And he would say to everyone, including myself, go home and write a list about what you're grateful for today. And when I moved through, I stopped and I just thought, leadership doesn't come with a title. Leadership comes with an impact you have on other people. And he was having this impact on everybody who he was serving by asking him that. And just for that few moments, making people feel a lot lighter than they felt before they had gone into that supermarket. That's a great story. And I guess there's two things there. The reading I've been doing lately seems to connect in, in some way or, or mention the importance of gratitude and the importance of reflecting on what you have to be grateful for and how important that is, you know, maintaining your, your resolve and your resilience as anybody, not just a leader. And also this idea of leadership is not a title. It's, it's what you do and the impact you have on others. I've always said that you never get to decide whether you're a leader or not. That's really not up to you. It's whether the people or not in your team decide to call you a leader, then you're a leader. You don't get to decide. Grant, you have a, a story you'd like to share? Well, it's quite hard to compete with a story like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that the story I have is quite as inspiring. These days, there's almost sort of traditional corporate leadership and startup leadership. And startup leadership tends to be a lot bolshier it's often very technical people who aren't necessarily natural people leaders. There are some really sort of big issues in that space with people who have the title boss. They think because they have the title that they are therefore the perfect boss as opposed to being good at it. One person I've worked for who was absolutely terrific, we'll call him Steve, which was his actual name, ran a PR company that's 20 years ago, I think it was, was very much in that sort of startup-y kind of forward-thinking space. Small company, everybody worked exactly from nine till five. You were supposed to bill your six and a half hours a day and you were sent home. You know, he had created a sort of terrific environment for getting people to do things well. And he ran a lot of interference with clients to ensure that everybody worked the right amount of time a day. Yeah. But the way in which this connected with the two of us was that at one point I completely screwed up with one of our clients. Like I did an absolutely disastrous job. The client nearly fired us. And Steve took me inside and he said, look, I know I'm going to tell you something and I think you will probably want to quit immediately afterwards. And I really caution you not to do that. And I think you have a good future and I think you could actually do really well here but if you walk out this door now, you are not going to do yourself a service and you're not going to do anyone else a service. And then explained to me that I was no longer managing that client and was quite tactful about the incredibly awful job I'd done of it. But it was a, you know, as someone who was quite young, this was actually a really terrific example of leadership. And it was a very sort of authentic, personal, I know you're a bit fiery and I know you make decisions very quickly. Don't do it. It would be the wrong thing to do. You know, I still look back on that and think that was actually a really well done leader staff member moment. Yeah, like a leader who was willing to have the tough conversation, didn't shirk from it and ensure that you learned from that, that situation. Before we sign off, I'm wondering if I'd like to say a few words about your organizations and the services they provide. 
Grant, as the Director of Marketing for HFL, talk about what HFL does. We run two leadership development brands, one for technical specialists called Expertunity, which is all about developing personal and enterprise skills for technical specialists. And we run Fastlead, which sponsors this podcast, where we do leadership training for frontline leaders and middle managers. And Greg, what about GHK Consulting? Thank you. We're a very small boutique consulting firm, and and what we specialise in is really assisting organisations reach their full potential by understanding and improving the human dynamics within the organisation. We also assist HFL by facilitating some of their fast lead programs. So it's about leadership. It's about assisting organisations by understanding human dynamics and and how do we allow people to be the best they can be within organizations. And that brings us to the end of this Fascinator podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Grant. Thank you. And Greg. No problem. Have a good day, guys. And thank you to Elena, our sound recorder and engineer. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Fascinator podcast. I'm Darren Fox, Chief Research Officer and Principal Consultant at HFL. You can email us at info at fastly.com with any questions. We'd love to hear ideas about topics for future podcasts. You can also check out the Fastlead website, fastlead.com, for supporting material from this podcast. Watch out for our future podcasts as we explore each of the 14 Fastlead topics in more detail and discuss some of the latest management research, news, and topical issues of the day. And until next time, this has been the Fastleader podcast. Thank you. Sure.